you have your Bible, would you go to book of Acts, chapter 19? Acts 19. Oh, I'm excited to continue to preach our series, uh, Wild Goose. If you were not here last week, that's going to sound weird to you. Wild Goose is an old Celtic description of the Holy Spirit, this, the idea of this, the, this, this spirit that is untamable, this spirit that is passionate, this, this spirit that sometimes you can't predict what he's going to do. And by the way, we'll say this during the service, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not the force from Star Wars. There's not a good spirit and then a bad spirit. Well, I guess there are good and evil. Uh, hello. But I think we, we think of the force as a it entity, and he is a person. He's a third person of the Trinity. Would you stand for the reading of the word this morning? Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Believers that had yet to hear that there was a Holy Spirit. I know a few of you, this series made you nervous just hearing about it because you've heard of a Holy Ghost and that one is the one that creeps you out. I've, I've, why do I say that? Because this is some of the words used to me. Pastor, in my upbringing, in my tradition, we have stayed away. We're going to talk about that. But here we welcome the Spirit of God into this place. I like calling him Holy Spirit. I really like calling him Holy Ghost. That gets the old school Pentecostal going up in me. I love the Holy Ghost. But we're going to welcome him into this place. And so, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We ask that you would permeate this place with your presence. And let your presence be just tangible here. Lord, we, we recognize you. And we ask that you would do a deep work in us, Lord. I pray that, Lord, for misunderstandings of you, I pray that you would bring correction, Lord. For hurts that maybe were done in your name, I pray for healing virtue. Lord, I pray for openness today as we ask that you would just send down your rain and baptize us fresh and new in your presence. We speak that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, give someone an awkward high five before you're seated. Very few things more awkward than a high five when you don't do it right. My best friend, uh, his name is Aaron. Aaron is, he's a pastor too. We went ministry very close to the day. Um, we have pastored together in terms of like, he has been a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor. He's been a lead pastor. I'm a lead pastor. He is now the, he is now the head of all of the Michigan Assemblies of God churches. So we, he's got a ton of responsibility on his plate. But really since, uh, we've known each other since the 80s. Known each other a very long time. I think part of it is we both were PKs. PK stands for pastor's kid. And so there's a lot of things that go on with pastor's kids that some people just don't get or understand. And so we got this exclusive club where we understand uh, what people expect of us, what people have said to us, some weird things that people have said to us, things that we've seen. It's this, uh, with this brotherhood and sisterhood that we just have as PKs. And so 
And through the years, we've just, we call each other a lot. Even to this day, we text each other all week long. We call each other at least once a week. And so we talk about a lot of things. We talk about ministry. We talk about wins, celebrations, when we're hurting. We talk to each other when, um, when we want to talk about marriage. We talk about our kids. We want to brag on our kids. Uh, I, I, he's, he's usually the first person that I call. It's just been that way for a lot of years. And the most common thing that happens is we call each other when we've done something absolutely stupid. I think we just want to make the other person feel about it, but every once in a while, like, he'll call, and my family will be in in the car, or one of my kids will be in the car, and I'm like, Aaron, just give you a heads up, Ethan's in the car, my family's in the car, and he's like, oh, they can hear this, and my kids will tell you, there is nothing like an Aaron story. Um, In fact, he'll be preaching for our 90th anniversary for the church, he'll be preaching coming up in September I am so stoked about that. Brooks McElhaney, a former staff member from, uh, let's see, the 90s into the 2000s, he will be preaching in September. I'm so stoked for our 90th anniversary. So he calls me a few months ago, and he's like, Dave, Dave, Dave. What, what, what? He goes, have you ever had a Celsius drink? And I'm like, well, no, my wife has. I don't know if you know what a Celsius drink. It's an energy drink, but it's got a lot of more natural flavors. That's, I guess, a little bit better for you than a normal energy drink. I tried an energy drink once, and my wife banned it for my life. Um, I, I used to get up on Wednesdays, because youth, youth group was Wednesday nights. I would get up uh, maybe out of bed around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and head to the office. Uh, just stoked about what God was going to do that night. And one morning... Uh, I remember I was just dragging a little bit. Then I drove home to take my daughter to kindergarten. And I, apparently, I stopped that day and got, I think it was a rock star or something. And my wife describes this individual she knew that could not stand still. And she's like, what are you on? And I'm like, I have a rock star. She goes, and that's got to be the last time you have a rock star. That's just, no, I can't take that. And so Aaron calls me. He's talking to me about the Celsius. And he's like, I... I was dragging, and I stopped by this gas station. I saw it. It's got natural flavors. I had one, and it was amazing. Have you had one, Dave? I'm like, I did not have one. I said, Anne will have one every once in a great while, and she will sip it maybe throughout the day. Just sip it a little bit here and there. I'm a lot to take, by the way. So he goes, well, I just fell in love with it. I bought a bunch more, and then I went and bought a case. And then he says, this week, this is the most productive week I've ever had in my life. I said, he goes, then I, then my wife started asking me questions. And she's like, Jamie came to me. He goes, Aaron, what are you drinking? He goes, I I found a Celsius. And she goes, yeah, I saw one earlier. There's another one in your hand. How many of them are you drinking a day? He goes, I have about three or so a day. I'm like, Aaron, do you understand? And I looked it up. The FDA says the average human being should have up to, up to three to 400 milligrams of caffeine a day at most. That's five, four, no, five to six cups of coffee a day. You are drinking on top of all of your Diet Cokes, minimally three times the amount that the government says you ought to be drinking in your body. Bro, no wonder you have been so productive You've got something driving you. You need help. He goes, I know. Send me the Teen Challenge. Send me to something to get freed from this. And so we got on the phone. We're talking. Every once in a while, I'll take a picture of a Celsius. I'll send it over to him. And I just get this one word, bro. That's all I get. 
the idea of getting this energy into you. I remember telling Ann, she's like, tell him his heart's going to burst. She went into panic for Jamie. Jamie and Aaron are great friends of ours. And so these are the phone calls I go through with my best friend. It's like, let me tell you the dumb thing that I've done this week. So talk about this energy, this thing driving him, this thing pushing him. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I believe there's, there's a reason why we've got powerless Christians, powerless congregations that are lingering just in the kingdom of God. And I'm here to say it's probably because we've got no emphasis, no focus, and zero connection to the Spirit of God. And if you're not learning about the Spirit of God, if you are pushing away the Holy Ghost because of something that you've heard about or something that you have seen, I'm here to say that the more you push away the Holy Spirit, the bigger the hole is that is going to be in your theology. You cannot have a whole theology without looking at the wholeness of the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But some of you have never pursued the Holy Spirit or thought about pursuing the Holy Spirit because you just never really learned about the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, you tend to not pursue things you do not understand. I mean, that's in life. The reason why my wife doesn't pursue football, even though she's been married into it for 25 years next month, she's been dating me in total, 25 plus 3, 28 years. That's simple math for Dave. She doesn't pursue it because she doesn't understand it. She'll walk in and say, what thingy is it? I'm like, it's, it's the second quarter. It's called a quarter. Oh, my word. But she doesn't pursue it because she doesn't understand it, and she doesn't want to understand it. So she's not asking for mentors or consultants after the service, by the way. But there's things that she might get into that I just don't want to pursue it because I don't understand it. I don't want to. But to be honest, we carry that over into our lives in terms of the way that we serve God. There are some of you that you don't understand spiritual warfare because you don't pursue it because you don't understand it. We need to do another series on spiritual warfare. Twelve years ago, I built a, actually Bob built it for me. It was a UFC cage on the stage. And we talk about spiritual warfare. The cage looks so good. Kids were skipping their classes to stay in because they thought we were actually having people fight on the stage. <laughs> but some of you don't pursue spiritual warfare because you don't understand it. Or how about this? Some of y'all don't tithe because you don't understand it. We're going to do a giving series after this series. We're going to talk about tithing, talk about giving. Uh, there's some people that don't pursue forgiveness because you don't understand it. Some of you think forgiveness equals trust. Therefore, you can't forgive people, but we're called to forgive people. Like Jesus forgave us, trust can be built over time. But when it comes to the Spirit of God, I want to help give you a deeper understanding of a life that is fully empowered by God. Because if I can give you some understanding of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to pursue the Holy Spirit, and you're going to get all that the Holy Spirit desires for your life. That's what I want. Back in 2020, for the first time in my life, I kayaked. Now, you might say, well, why did you wait so long? Uh, when I was in high school, no, excuse me, I was in college, I had a canoe accident that I almost drowned literally almost drowned, and I just, it, you put me in a boat with a paddle, and I have no motivation whatsoever. And so I went kayaking with my family. We went out on the lake, and I will say this. Kayaking is okay, but it's much better with a fishing pole. Why some people really love just to paddle around a lake, I do not understand you. I, just, I want to paddle to one spot. I want to catch fish, and so we just went out as a family. We were catching fish. Every time we caught one, we'd scream out, bula, 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 and just... I don't know why, we just did it. I think we got it from Parks and Rec, that great Christian show. And so we just enjoyed that time, 
But then, kind of traveling back against the wind and against the current, I'm thinking to myself, people do this for fun. I do not understand, so therefore I don't pursue it. But then, a couple years ago, I did something for the first time. I went on a sailboat. Now, in my brain, I was going to do it like, what about Bob, where I would just strap myself to the mast and start screaming, I'm sailing! If you've never seen What About Bob, great gospel flick, you ought to see What About Bob. But Rich Daughter, he's sitting over here, took me sailing for the first time. And I'm here to say, paddling is for suckers. Give me a sail in a heartbeat any day over a paddle. Some of you are determined after service to invite me to kayak. I need to help you to understand it and really enjoy it. I'm here to say, it's like golfing. You're taking me to something that is just going to make me angry. Let me sail. Or give me a motor. But why is there a difference? Because in one, my speed is all connected to my own power and my own ability. But the other, all, I could be in the same body of water with the same weather, the same conditions, the same everything, but you put me into a sailboat, and the second that sail goes up, it catches what's blowing through, and I can catch it, and I can harness it, and it will take me someplace faster with more power and with a lot more fun than I could have in that stupid ca- kayak. Some of you kayakers have never come back to the church ever again. But I'm here to say that so often in church that we are trying to do too much underneath our own power. What we need to do is to set down our oars, to lift up our hands, and to lift up our hearts, and to catch the Spirit of God blowing through this place, catching our hearts, catching our lives, because He will take you to places to do things that you could never have done underneath your own power. The wind is blowing, and it's time for us to stop ignoring the wind and begin to lift up our lives like, God, fill us with your Spirit. It is no mistake in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 4 that verses 1 through 4 that said when they were in the upper room that the spirit of God came down like a wind rushing through the room. I want that wind rushing through our lives but I recognize that in the middle of all of this Holy Spirit talk that we've got three groups in the house today and so if you're taking notes I'm going to give you three groups and we're going to talk to all three of you today. We're going to talk to the cautious. You know who you are. When it comes to the Holy Ghost, like immediately you're checking your watch, you're wiping the sweat from your brow, just got to make it through this, and he better not say the word tongues whatsoever during this service. He talks about the gifts, so help me, I'm going to write him a note and unsign it, so he doesn't know what was me. The cautious. Maybe you're cautious because you've never heard about the Holy Spirit. It's Acts chapter 19. We have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And I can't fault that church in Ephesus. What's wrong with you? They hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so some people are just simply cautious, uh, maybe because you saw some weird stuff. Maybe in the name of the Holy Spirit, something was done to you or happened in a service that people just said, I couldn't help it. It was the Holy Spirit. But that's where I like to remind people that the Scripture says the Spirit is subject to the prophet. Stop giving, blaming the Holy Spirit for weird moments that were never of the Holy Spirit. And then we go from the cautious to we go to the curious. You've heard of the Holy Spirit. You're wondering. There's just something about talking about the Holy Spirit, reading about Him in Scripture. Not it. Reading about Him in Scripture, where all of a sudden you've gone into some curiosity and you're wondering, God, what more do you have for my life? What more do you have for my heart? And then the last category is the confident. 
Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have moved maybe in the gifts of the Spirit of God. And you're confident with what God has spoken in you and what God has done in you. And my heart for the three groups this morning is that everyone would take another step forward in a deeper relationship with the Spirit of God. Now, let me say this to the confident, because we're going to talk to you first this morning. Because you maybe have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've received a touch of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been used by in a gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't stop where you've met the Holy Spirit. Let him take you further. It's like getting married and say, hey, we're done getting to know each other. I hope that hasn't happened around this place. If not, I do marriage counseling. Sign up. We'll get you going. Or there's, in my premarital counseling assessment, there's one question that comes up, our statement. It says, I've already learned everything there is to know about my partner. And some couples will put strongly agree. I'm like, Really? You already know everything about your fiance that you'll ever need to know. You're never going to be surprised. I think I know everything. I'm like, oh, you poor soul. <laughs> but if you're confident, take a step further. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Relationships need to grow and they develop over time with pursuit. So this morning, let me talk to the confident this morning. And my hope is this, is that you will say, what is next for me? What's next for me? Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. says, I'm now compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now, we've we've got an apostle speaking out, saying, hey, the Spirit of God has led me, but now the Spirit of God is compelling me to go to a place, and I don't know where or how uh, how God is going to use me in this moment. We need, in terms of those of us that are confident in the Holy Spirit, need to be in such a place that doesn't limit what the Holy Spirit's doing to what we're comfortable with, but we're willing to allow the Spirit of God to compel us and to take us different directions for which we would not have done underneath our own power. And, and to be used with gifts. Gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Look at that. I love a couple words there. First of all, I love the word that the Spirit, of get, the Spirit is given to each of us. The God, God gives gifts to each of us. Don't ever think that spiritual gifts are not for you. The spiritual gifts are for each one of you. Now, God may use somebody differently than you. It doesn't mean that God uses anybody more powerfully than you. He uses each one of us differently, and it's given so that we can help each other translate that to build the kingdom of God. He doesn't give us gifts to make names for ourselves. He gives us a gift to make a name for Jesus Christ and to build the kingdom of God. It's here for us to build up the name of Jesus. And when when we are given gifts of the Spirit, God uses us to help do things that we could not have done had it not been for the gifts of the Spirit. We need to be a people of the Spirit's power. We need to be people of the Holy Ghost. And let me say this, that when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of us, when the Holy Ghost begins to fill us and baptize us, I'm here to say, we can't be shy about the gifts of the Spirit of God. I wrote it this way. In our culture, we have too many stories of pain to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit's power. We have way too many stories of pain, way too many stories of brokenness, way too many marriages are waning, way too many kids are prodigals, way too too much brokenness for us to be ashamed to say, God, use somebody else. I say, God, I set up the sail of my life, breathe into me and use me in the way that you want to use me. 
Be confident. Stop hesitating and start operating in the spiritual gifts. Let's stop hesitating. Man, I'm going to lose weight wearing that coat. Let me give you a prime example. I shared this years ago. Um, back in our, in our staff in Midland, Michigan, uh, we unfortunately had a very terrible moment happen with one of our staff spouses. And because of a decision that was made, one of our staff members felt like, well, to work on my marriage, I need to resign. And it was a shot, it, it, it was a shot to our church. It was a shot to our pastor. It's really to us as a staff. I mean, I remember how broken I was over it. Broken trust, broken hopes, vision, a lot of things that are in there. And after about a month or two, I, I knew my pastor was hurting. I was close to my pastor. He was like a second dad to me. And in the middle of a prayer time, the Holy Spirit took me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And it says, and it was the word of the Lord to Samuel, the prophet. And it was about the prophet had chosen a leader named Saul, and Saul had failed. And Samuel was mourning over that decision. And the scripture says, God says to Samuel, how long will you mourn over Saul? Get the horn of oil. You're ready to go. I'm going to show you who's next. It was an encouraging moment in a time of a desperate moment. And the Holy Spirit said, go give this to your pastor. Go tell Pastor Joel. Right there, God gave me a word. The Spirit of God gave me a word in the moment. And immediately, you know what I did? I stayed in my office. And I told myself, maybe that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was the rock star. But I sat there so scared because I was more worried about what people would think than what God was telling me. And about a month went by. It's about a month or so. And my dad calls me. My dad said, hey, I've been in prayer and God gave me a word for your pastor. And in my brain, I'm like, all right, tell me whatever it is, dad, and I'm going to see if that's okay to tell my pastor. And so dad goes, the Lord led me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And it says, how long will you mourn over Saul? I'm like, dad, just stop. I got to tell you what I did, dad. And I told him, and he just, and he just, he didn't berate me. He just says, son, I think you know what you need to do. You know what broke me? Is I let my pastor mourn for a month longer than he needed to. Because I wasn't walking in the confidence and taking a step forward and letting God use me in a way that he had not used me in a very particular way. I let my fear dictate what the Spirit of God wanted to do. And I walked in, the, I knocked on the door and, and pastor's like, Dave, what's going on? I, we talk about the lines. I said, no, 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 it's not that type of talk today. It's, it's worse. <laughs> I shut the door. And honestly, I just began to cry. Even thinking about it, it gets me going. I said, I need to repent to you. And even before the Lord, and I, I shared with him what my dad said. And I said, I'm thankful for my dad's faithfulness. And Joel started crying. Because this is what I needed. This is the time for us to begin to move forward now. And I, just, and I asked him, I said, you know what? On staff meeting on Monday, would you allow me to share this with the staff? They need to hear what, what I missed because we can't miss this anymore. Because we, as a community and our staff are at stake, our church is at stake, and we need the boldness to understand 
how the Spirit speaks and the boldness to step out when the wind is blowing. I shared it at staff and we bowed and we prayed and honestly, we repented as a staff. I didn't realize it was even going that direction. Lord, help us to be obedient every time you move in our lives. Stop worrying about you because when we properly step into the gifts of the Spirit, people, they're not going to be attracted to you. They're going to be attracted to Jesus. And when we step out in those gifts, it's there. Jesus is highlighted. Jesus is lifted up. Well, well, pastor, what if they don't receive you? That's not your worry. Your worry is obedience. Leave it with them and walk away. What if they don't thank you? They don't need to thank you. They're not there to thank you. You're the tool. You're the vessel. You're the, you're the sail that's carrying the wind. Just deliver what God told you to deliver. There are times that people have given me words that made me scratch my head. And what I do is I write them all down. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, months later, I go back and all of a sudden something happens and God brings me back. That word prepared me for what would happen months later. Why? That's the Spirit of God. So if you are confident, if you've been baptized in the Spirit, if you've been seeking the gifts, keep seeking the gifts and say, what's next for me? To the second group, the cautious. Some of y'all are cautious, and I get it. I've grown up in Pentecostal churches, and I'm telling you what, I have seen some wild things in my day. Thank God I have not seen snake handling, and by the way, that's not a part of the series, so don't. We'll do a snake handler series someday. Just kidding, and we're not doing that series whatsoever. I've seen some wild, wild things, and yet for some of you, you're cautious because you have never seen anything flow in terms of the gifts of the Spirit in a service. Some of you have been here where somebody's given a word during the service. Some of you have gone back to the prayer room or come out front where someone has given you a word or someone has spoken something to you, someone has spoken something very specific to you. Uh, I, think of, um, I think of last week, I, a word came out of my mouth uh, last week that I thought was a mistake that I found out after the service was actually a word to confirm something spoken the week before. I'm here to say, so when it comes to being cautious, Part of us, we're cautious over the Holy Spirit because we think of him as an it, but he's a he. The Holy Spirit is a person to know and not a principle to learn. And when the Spirit is a principle, we avoid a principle we don't understand, but when it comes to a person, we get to know the person so that there's understanding. And that's why throughout Scripture, we might dig into this more next week, the Holy Spirit is called, Jesus calls him the helper. He's called the comforter. He's called the counselor. He's called the advocate. Oh, this is one thing I love. He's called the friend. And the cautious, I need you to see him as a person and not a principle. Because if we don't, we will never develop a personal relationship with the Spirit of God. There's some people, again, you struggle with the Holy Spirit just because of his name, the Holy Ghost. And you, and you get this idea that he is spooky, that he is unattainable. He's unknowable because you can't know a ghost. And I'm here to say he is knowable. He is the third person that we can draw to. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 7 says, nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. I go away. He's telling his disciples, it's to your advantage. I'm gone. For if I go away, the helper will not come to you. If I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
John chapter 14, verse 26, in the message paraphrase, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend. Oh, I love that translation. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all of the things that I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you to the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft, so don't be upset, don't be distraught. He's, I'm, he, I'm leaving you a friend to be with you, a friend to call out to, a friend to lean into when you need him most. I'm leaving you a helper that will give you help in the toughest times. So my challenge is this, allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to be a part of what you're doing. What does that mean? How about this? When you open up the scriptures today or tomorrow, Holy Spirit, give me insight as I read my scriptures. How about before you go into the office, before you go into a meeting, Holy Spirit, give me understanding as I meet that person. Holy Spirit, help me with the difficult conversation I have to have today. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom for the meeting I've got coming. Holy Spirit, give me direction for what to say to my children. Holy Spirit, heal my mind of suspicion that I have of people. Holy Spirit, help me to deal with the hurt that I've been holding on to that's become more my identity in my crutch rather than the thing I need to release in your hands. The Holy Spirit, invite him in. We used to say this in church years ago. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to go where he's not wanted. So invite him in. Holy Spirit, come into a moment with my, me and my spouse. Holy Spirit, Come into, this, come, into, come into this thing, this decision that we've got to make as a family. Holy Spirit, come. And the last group is the curious. You're not anti-Holy Spirit, but you've got a load of questions. <laughs> because you're wondering, how does the Holy Spirit make sense in every single day life? So I'm going to give you just a couple steps for those that are curious. Just to take some next steps. Number one, discover the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. Discover the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. This means stepping in. This is means, it means going into worship and recognizing the Holy Spirit. This means inviting him in. And this means calling upon him. It means praying to the Holy Spirit. Some of you think that's weird. But why is it not weird that we pray to the Father and the Son, but it's weird to pray to the Holy Ghost? I do not understand this. But we need a new presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I believe you need an explanation. Excuse me, you need an experience, not just an explanation. Why should you experience the Holy Spirit? Because listen, I could tell you and describe to you about the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't give you the experience that's going to transform your life. You need an experience. You need an encounter. And I'm here to say, I've got a ton of friends. I count all of you as friends, even those I've, I've met for the first time today. I count people as friends when I meet them. But there are some of you in this room that you're closer to, to me than other people. It's not because you're favorites. It's because we have shared experiences together. And shared experiences bring intimacy. This reason why when Aaron and I call each other on the phone, I tell him the stupid stuff that I do and I don't tell anybody else because I can trust him. I've got individuals in this congregation that when I'm going through dark times, I know I can call on to you because we've got shared experiences. And what we need is we need shared experiences with the Spirit of God. Shared experiences together and a shared experience with him as an individual. I love this word out of 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 through 8. For there are three that testify 
The spirit, the water, and the blood, and these things agree. This is describing three baptisms, I believe. There are three baptisms here. For some of y'all that are new to church, this one might freak you out. We have a baptism in blood. So you're like, I knew this place was crazy. I knew the snakes were coming. But this is actually talk about salvation. We sing about the blood of Jesus that washes us, that cleanses us, that purifies our life. We were baptized in blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. But then we have this baptism that we can actually see and experience. We're going to do this next week, baptism in water. If you have never been baptized in water, seriously, after the service, sign up. You need to be baptized next week. It is our public profession of faith. When you go down, it's like the old person goes down and the new person rises up. And I'm here to say, I've watched people experience the power of the Holy Spirit after water baptism. Why? Because their blessing follows obedience. It follows obedience. Be baptized. But this third baptism we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is something that is for everybody. For those that are curious, I'm here to say that pursue the Holy Spirit. And you can discover the power of the Holy Spirit by asking the Spirit of God to baptize you. And we believe, as an Assemblies of God church, that the initial physical evidence is speaking in tongues. But my, know, what, know what? My goal is not to get you speaking in tongues. Because so often, Pentecostal churches, like Assemblies of God churches, we make that the pinnacle of what the Spirit of God is doing. And I say it's the doorway to what God wants to do. Stop limiting the spirit to one gift. In fact, Paul calls it the least of the gifts. But God wants to baptize you. So discover the life-giving presence. And secondly, depend upon the power of the spirit. Depend upon the power of the spirit. Why do I need to depend upon the power of the spirit? Because the spirit of God is going to guide us. He's going to bring fruit. He's going to confront us. He's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us gifts. He's going to help us with temptation. We need the power of of the Spirit to help us overcome sin in our life. Well, pastor, I thought we were baptized in the blood. I thought Jesus... I thought Jesus took care of our sin. I'm here to say this, that if you've been forgiven because you have put faith in Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean you no longer deal with sin. I've had some people say, I'm so thankful I have faith in Jesus. I no longer deal with sin. And for that, I'm like... Please tell me how you pull that off. How do you drive on Westage during Christmas and not fall into sin? We need the power of God to help us overcome sin because we may be freed from the curse of sin, but we still have an enemy of our souls that hates us and therefore wants to attack us and to tempt us. And I'm here to say this Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus came to this earth, he set aside his glory. It was called the incarnation, God in flesh. And then when he was baptized, Jesus got baptized, y'all. He said the spirit of God descended like a dove upon him. And Jesus, if he performed miracles through the spirit, how much more does he want to perform through us? Worship team, I need you. I need to shut up here. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Acts 19, we had not even heard the what? The Holy Spirit. The waves of this world want to hit you. The current of this world wants to sweep you away. And you could sit in your own spiritual kayak and think you can deal with all of that on your own. But I say this, drop the oar and raise up the sails. It's time to receive. 
It's time to receive and let the wind fill our lives and our hearts this morning. My mom will tell you, she talks about this a lot. She brings it up a lot. She has for a lot of years. She will talk about the child that was her firstborn. It's me, by the way. She talks about the kid that when you put him on the platform, uh, like the first, she brings up the kids program where I was a present. They made a box, wrapped it up, and put arm holes and a head hold, and I walked out on the stage. And as soon as I saw everybody, I pulled my arms in, my head in, and hid inside the box. If you would have talked to me as a kid, I was that kid that hid behind and just thought everybody was stranger danger because in my brain that kept me safe. More specifically, I didn't have to talk. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like crowds, I didn't like talking to people. I never wanted to put myself out there whatsoever. And my mom will say that my sophomore year, that something, a drive in me changed because that's the year I gave my heart back to Jesus. And I remember I began to get on a pursuit because I grew up in Pentecost. I grew up in seeing the Spirit of God move and I just seeing gifts of the Spirit of God. And I always assumed it was for somebody else. And one day I just went down to the front of the stage and I just put up my hands and I said, Holy Spirit, I know you're real. I've seen it. But I, I need to know you. I don't want to know my parents' Holy Spirit. I want to know the Holy Spirit. And my mom will say from that day on, something shifted in her son. From there that God gave me the direction that he was supposed to give me. And am I going to say that if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that God's going to make you a pastor? Some of y'all, please don't be a pastor. I don't, didn't mean that as a joke. Because if everybody who got filled with the Holy Spirit became a pastor, we would have no spirit-filled individuals out in this world. We need teachers, engineers, homemakers and athletes, doctors, care workers, nurses, people full of the Spirit. But I'm here to tell you that when the Spirit of God filled me, everything about Dave Berenger changed. I remember telling my youth pastor, I'm ready to preach. He says, all right, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Three years later. I had to push brooms and I had to serve and do a lot of things before. I don't know, it's because he was waiting. And then the first time I preached, I wore my blue electric suit to youth group, matching tie and suspenders. Who does that to youth group? I had a message and I preached it and I was done in five minutes. Some of y'all wish I still did that. My youth pastor had to go make stuff up to finish the service. But something changed when the Spirit of God. See, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Spirit of God doesn't come upon you to make you superior to other people. He'll make you a better you. Then I went to Central Bible College. It was an Assemblies of God Pentecostal uh, Bible College. And our rival was another Bible college of a different denomination. And they were secessionalists. They didn't believe this, they don't believe the Spirit of God or the gifts were for anything beyond the apostolic age. And so we, we had a school rivalry in terms of, it wasn't about theology, it was basketball. We were better at basketball, which was awesome. And volleyball, and the games would be filled. And one time, one of our students showed up with a sign, and it just said, we speak in tongues. And we're like, you idiot, put that sign down. The dumbest smack talk I've ever seen in my life. 
But every single year, every single semester, we would find ourselves in laundromats or the mall or whatever, and we would start having conversations with some of their students. And not once would we ever bring up the Holy Spirit, but they would bring it up to us, and they would pull us aside and say, hey, could we sit down for a second? Could we talk? And I'm like, well, what do you want to talk about? And it's always this. Why do we read the scriptures, and it seems like the Holy Spirit's for the church, but why doesn't our Bible college believe that? And I'm like, well, I, we're not going to take shots at your school. But tell me what you're seeing. Well, this is what I see. It seems like the gifts are for all of us. Peter on the day of Pentecost says, this is for your children and your children's children. And for all who are far off, why can't we? And we'd say, why can't you? I'll tell you about my friend Kevin. Now, Pastor Kevin, this is a different Kevin. Kevin, who went to that place, and we were outside in the parking lot. We were by my friend's van, and he's talking to us about it. He goes, why can't I have the Holy Spirit? I'm like, you can't. All you got to do is ask is, why, why can't I ask right now? I'm like, I'm sure. And we laid hands on him in a parking lot at Super Walmart. Some of you don't think God can move at Walmart. On that day, the Spirit of God fell upon Kevin, transformed his life so much. He was a local pastor in a church that didn't believe in the move of the Holy Spirit. And so he had got up that following Sunday and just said, I'm about to bring a shift to our church. And on that day, God baptized people at the altar in the Holy Spirit. And his church has never been the same again. The Spirit of God is here and he is real. And listen, if you're cautious today, I get why you're cautious But you don't have to be, because the Holy Spirit is here to revolutionize your life, not to threaten. Well, quite honestly, he will threaten your comfort zones. Let's just be real. But you don't have to be scared, because he's God. For those of you that are curious, the more I pursued Jesus, the more curious I got, and the more appetite I got for the presence of God, and the more appetite I got, the more I began to see God move in my life. And if you're confident, I'm asking you, what one more step could you take in the Spirit of God today? My heart for today is this. The keys to renewed life is surrender to God, is to abide in Christ, and to simply yield to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I have done my best to be faithful with what you wanted to speak today. I've done my best to be faithful. Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would just meet us in this place. Lord, to every single person that feels cautious, Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just visit, a divine visitation of your presence upon their life, Lord, that they would begin to just want to take a step further from being cautious into being, being curious, to start wondering, to start asking questions, to start speaking to you. For those that are curious, Lord, I pray that it would take steps further, deeper invitations, less restrictions for what you want to do, and more openness to say, Spirit of God, what would you want to do in my life, Lord, for those who are confident? God, that we would never rest on our laurels from what you're wanting to speak and what you're wanting to do. So we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. 